0: Hello there, faithful listener. You've tuned in to season seven of the Bible Explained podcast. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee because today we are going to be discussing the book of First Samuel. Hello there, friends and faithful listeners, and thank you for tuning into the Bible Explained podcast on this lovely, lovely Friday morning. The weather's been really pretty where I'm at. Yesterday, it was like a it was like a nice, comfortable, 40 degrees. It was beautiful. And the sun was out for a while too. So I've, I've been enjoying the weather while I can take it. But guys, I hope you've been having great weather wherever you live. And of course, I, I love hearing from you guys. So when you reach out to me, also tell me what the weather is like in your area. And answer this question, okay, when you reach out to me. What is your favorite Christmas movie? My favorite Christmas movie is Santa Jaws. (laughs) That's actually not a joke. Santa Jaws is the best Christmas movie I have ever seen in my life. Okay. And it is terrible. It is terrible. It is so bad, but it's an excellent Christmas movie. That is my favorite Christmas movie. So tell me what Christmas movie you really like. And today we're going to be reading 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 19 through 28. This is the second half of Hannah's story. So before I begin today, I'm going to do a recap of Hannah and what we talked about on Wednesday. So on Wednesday, we were introduced to this woman named Hannah. And Hannah was the second wife of this guy named Elkanah. Okay, so Elkanah had two wives. One was named Panina. The other was Hannah. And Hannah had no children, but Panina, it sounded like, had a ton of children, okay? And so Panina would make fun of Hannah all the time and be like, huh, you know, you don't have any kids like I do. So Hannah was miserable, okay? Because who would want to be a second wife, first and foremost? And secondly, uh, she's got this Panina lady, her like sister wife making fun of her constantly because she doesn't have children. And so this longing for children was so deep inside of her that she would be like distraught every single time they went up to Shiloh to worship God. And so she wouldn't eat anything. She wouldn't drink anything. And she was just so upset every single time they went up. So finally, one year while they're going up to Shiloh to worship God, hannah just has enough she can't handle it anymore so she goes to the temple by herself and she begins praying and praying in her heart she's not speaking anything audibly but she's crying and she's praying so the judge at the time was actually at the temple his name was eli and he was you know watching hannah do this prayer and so he thinks that she's drunk okay and that kind of shows the condition of israel at this time period you know, because there's been multiple times where I've gone to church and I've seen people like crying up on the altar. Actually, it happened recently. My husband and I took a vacation this summer and we went to a church in the region. Well, at the end of the the sermon, the pastor was like, come up to the altar to pray or whatever. But there was a woman that went up to the altar and was just like sobbing and praying and, and stuff. And so, I feel like I've seen that quite a lot, actually, you know, um, just over the years, people crying and praying at church or at the altar. And yet Eli thought that Hannah was drunk, you know, and that just shows the condition of Israel, that it was very uncommon, probably, for people to be praying their hearts out like that to God. So Hannah, in a way, was a unique woman to go to the temple and to pray like that in public, Where everybody could see her when it was not something apparently that people did very often. Not to mention, it could be that uh, people were drunk a lot as well. And so (laughs) Eli saw a lot of drunkenness because he had a lot of drunkenness in his family with his two sons who were priests. And we'll get more into that as the story progresses. So anyway, Hannah, of course, is like, no, I am not drunk. I am just praying my heart out. And so Eli says to her, may God grant your request. And she's like, thank you so much. And she goes away from the temple and she is no longer saddened. It says her face totally changed. She went from sad to glad. And that is where we leave off today. So we're going to read verses 19 through 28 today of 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we're going to learn about the birth of Samuel. As always, I'll be reading this out of the W.E.B. They rose up in the morning early and worshipped Yahweh. Then they returned and came back to their house in Ramah. Then Elkanah knew his wife and Yahweh remembered her. When the time had come, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she named him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of Yahweh. The man Elkanah and all of his house went up to offer to Yahweh the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah didn't go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before Yahweh and stay there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems good to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may Yahweh establish his word. So the woman waited and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls and an ephah of meal and a container of wine and brought him to Yahweh's house in Shiloh. The child was young. They killed the bull and brought the child to Eli. She said, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to Yahweh. I prayed for this child and Yahweh has given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I have also given him to Yahweh. As long as he lives, he is given to Yahweh and he worshiped Yahweh there. So I need to apologize to you guys because I have been making a mistake for like the past few months. And I actually went back into the podcast to listen to myself to see if I made this mistake. And I did, in fact, make this mistake. For the past few months, I have been saying that the temple was in Bethel. And I am wrong. (laughs) The temple was not in Bethel. It was in Shiloh. And I don't know where I went wrong and started thinking that it was in Bethel, but it was definitely in Shiloh. And so I want to correct that right now, because we're going to talk about the temple being in Shiloh today. And I was actually confused when I read this, because I got it in my mind that the temple was in Bethel for some reason. And I was super confused when reading this, because I was like, the temple in Shiloh, is this a different temple? Did the temple move? <laughs> no, it was just because I was wrong. And the temple was in Shiloh the whole time. But for some reason, I got it in my head that it was in Bethel. So, sorry about that. So, they're in Shiloh, worshiping God, Hannah and her husband, and Panina, the other wife, along with all of Panina's kids. So, it says that early in the morning, the day after Hannah's vow and prayer to God, it says, they rose up early in the morning and worshiped Yahweh. Then they returned and came to their house in Ramah. So, it does sound like Hannah's family and Hannah's husband did worship God and did care about the things of God, because at least they're traveling to Shiloh every single year, which was what God told the people of Israel to do, is to go to Shiloh to worship God every single year. And of course, Shiloh, which, by the way, was very close to Bethel. And maybe that's where I made the, the mistake, because they were only like 15 kilometers from each other. But anyway, Shiloh was very central, you know, in all of Israel. And so because it was so central, it wouldn't be the worst journey ever for people to go and travel to it once a year. But as we can see, people didn't really do that when we were going through the book of Judges. Basically, nobody worshiped God the way God told them to. So at least Elkanah, Hannah's husband, did in fact do that and tried to worship God, it sounds like. So they return back home after the feast is over. It says, Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and Yahweh remembered her. Now, that is just old-fashioned language to say, Elkanah slept with Hannah. Okay. And Yahweh remembered Hannah's prayer. And that's what's so beautiful. Yahweh remembered Hannah. But here's what's really interesting about this. It says in verse 20, when the time had come, Hannah conceived. So if you think about it, this means that Hannah didn't conceive right away. Like, it might have taken... A while Because it says, when the time had come, Hannah conceived. That doesn't sound like it happened immediately, does it? It sounds like it it might have taken a while. So who knows how long afterwards Hannah ended up becoming pregnant. It could have been a few months. It could have been close to a year. But everything is in God's timing. And that's what's really cool about this. God remembered Hannah. God heard Hannah's prayer. And still... God waited for the exact right moment to give Hannah what she asked for. And so that's really encouraging to me, because as you guys know, I don't have kids and I do want kids. And the older I get, the more I want kids. (laughs) I'm basically the only person my age that I know that um, has not experienced a pregnancy. In fact, I'm the only person I know my age that has not experienced a pregnancy. And so that's kind of tough for me because you know, I see all my friends getting pregnant and having babies that are my age, and so I feel kind of left behind in that aspect. And yet I know that I have to wait for a reason, if that makes sense, because I've gone through three waiting periods in my lifetime. The first one was with my husband. I really wanted a husband in my late teens early 20s and i never got a boyfriend and then finally i met my husband he ended up being my first boyfriend actually so i um i really wanted a husband and i had to wait for that because my husband was not ready to meet me yet and honestly i was naive and young and i wasn't really ready to meet him either but i had to wait for a reason and at the time i was like why am i waiting like i'm the only person i know that doesn't have a boyfriend and yet God made me wait for a reason. And then the second waiting period I went through was with my job and my current career. And I love my career now, but it took me a really long time. It took me many years to get to the point where I'm at now. And in some ways, I'm still waiting. I'm still, you know, looking towards the future and what God has for me with this role. And the last thing I'm waiting for is the baby thing. But because I've seen what God has done in my life and through those waiting periods that I've had. I I just know that God always has a reason when he makes you wait for something. And you know, the ministry that I started, P40 Ministries, P40 stands for Psalm 40. And if you read Psalm chapter 40, it actually says, I waited patiently for Yahweh and he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and he steadied me as I walked along. And that is the verses of my life. Because if you look at those two verses, it says, I waited patiently and Yahweh turned and heard my cry. There's nothing wrong with crying while you're waiting. And even the psalmist was talking about that. You can wait patiently and yet still be sad and still be longing for the thing that you are waiting for. But at the right moment, God will turn to you and he will hear your cry. And somebody actually mentioned to me on my YouTube, one of my YouTube videos a while back, because I've mentioned, you know, my infertility problems a handful of times on the podcast. And somebody said, you know, if you look at Hannah's story, God made Hannah wait for a reason because Samuel was born and Samuel was like such a cool kid, you know, and And he ended up being such a great individual and a great priest, not to give too much of the story away, obviously, but God made Hannah wait for a reason, because then Samuel could be born under the correct circumstances. And so he heard Hannah's cry here. He heard her crying. He heard her vow, because don't forget what she vowed here. She vowed that she would make her baby a Nazarene from birth. The other famous Nazarene we recently read about was Samson, actually. And Hannah said, my son will be a Nazarene from birth. In other words, Hannah was going to dedicate her son to the Lord, meaning that if Hannah had a baby, she was actually going to give him away to God. She was actually going to give him up. And that was her vow. And God heard that vow from Hannah and he remembered her and he remembered her distress He remembered her cries. He remembered her prayer. And so finally, he turns toward her and he hears her cry and she conceives. And so here's what happens. When the time had come in verse 20, Hannah conceived and she bore a son and she named him Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of Yahweh. So the name Samuel actually means asked of God. And so she names her baby, this beautiful name, Asked. By God. So finally, you know, I'm sure Hannah is just enthralled that she has her baby finally. And so the next year comes, it says, and the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to Yahweh the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But it says that Hannah stayed home in verse 22 because the baby had not been weaned yet. And so she says to her husband, I'm not going to go until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before Yahweh and stay there forever. So you might be wondering, is Hannah kind of going back on her vow? I don't think so, personally, because she does say to her husband, I'm planning on bringing him and, you know, when I do bring him, he's going to stay there forever. Now, it would be very hard, I think, for Hannah to give up her son, obviously, the son that she is longing for, for her entire married life. And yet she was still planning on fulfilling this vow to God. And so she says, I'm not going to give him away, though, until he is weaned. And I I can understand her reasoning for this, actually, because, you know, babies who are not weaned are a lot of work, you know, (laughs) and so and obviously they need their mothers, like all children, all babies need their mothers. And so I don't think that it would have been right in some ways for Hannah to just give up her baby the second he was born. I think it was wise for her to at least like wean him. And usually that was until about two or three years old. So Hannah stayed at home and weaned her baby for a few years, bonded with him, got to know him and he got to know her. And then finally, it says once he was weaned, she took him up with her with three bowls and an ephah of meal and the container of wine and brought him to Yahweh's house in Shiloh. And the child was young, is what it says. So she didn't wait long. It says after she had weaned him, this means that Hannah Really did intend on fulfilling her vow. She didn't wait a year later. She didn't keep putting it off. She wasn't like, oh, I'll do it in another year. You know, she did it as soon as the baby was weaned because it says the child was young. So he was probably like three or four years old, maybe five at the oldest. And so Hannah takes him up with her to shiloh and it says that she presented three bulls and an ephah of meal and a container of wine as well with little samuel and all of this was a gift to yahweh because yahweh had done such a wonderful thing for hannah so anyway She brings Samuel up to the altar and it says she brought the child to Eli. So don't forget Eli. He was the one that like came to her, you know, and was like, you're drunk. Put away your wine, you know. (laughs) And Hannah's like, no, no, I'm not drunk. Eli was the judge of Israel at that time. And he was also a priest, by the way. So Eli would be at the temple in Shiloh. So it says that Hannah brings little Samuel up to Eli and she says, I am the woman that made that prayer so many years ago, and God gave me the child that I asked for. It says in verse 27, I prayed for this child, and Yahweh has given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore, I have also given him to Yahweh. And so now Hannah fulfills her vow, no matter how hard this was for Hannah to give up her basically newborn child to the temple to serve God all the rest of Samuel's life, Even though that was very hard, Hannah still did it. And she did it because she made that promise to God. So when we make vows, obviously, we are very clearly in scripture supposed to keep them. Now, Jesus does tell us not even to make vows because we're so bad at keeping them that it's just better to not make a vow than to make one and not be able to keep it. (laughs) But when we do make them, because it's not necessarily a sin to make a vow, but it is a sin First and foremost, to make a stupid vow or to make a vow that causes somebody to sin. But Hannah's vow was not one of those vows. Hannah's vow was a vow, A, that she was able to keep, and B, that was actually causing somebody to live in unity with God. Basically, little Samuel was going to grow up at the temple serving God. And that was going to be his home for basically the rest of his life. And so that's what ended up happening. It says little Samuel worshipped Yahweh there. And so that's how this, this chapter ends. Is Samuel grows up at the temple and Hannah has to leave him there. But we're not done talking about Hannah. We're going to hear about her again in the next coming chapters. So tune in to the podcast on Monday. But I do hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Don't forget to check out all the links that I have listed in the description below. Check out Seven Weeks Coffee because they are the coffee brand that supports little babies in the womb. So definitely check them out and grab a great cup of coffee while you're at it. And faithful listeners, I will see you all on Monday 6 a.m. or whenever you choose to wake up. Until then, happy listening and God